Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 764 with Kate McGrath. Meeting Jay and having the opportunity to be part of Jumpin' Jay's was not, I mean, it wasn't just about restaurants. Like, it's it's greater than that. It's really about people. Are you ready for It Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Not all of us were created with that creative bone in our body. We just don't have that artistic ability. I'm definitely one of those people. So when I need some creative work done, I look to 99designs. 99designs, whether you are looking to get your business online, strengthen your social media presence, or if you're exploring a new way to engage with your customers, 99designs, they have a creative solution for you. So to learn more right now, I suggest heading to 99designs.com slash unstoppable. When you use that link, you'll save $20 off your first design contest. Again, that's 99designs.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And Seven Shifts is trusted by over 400,000 restaurant professionals because it gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable that's the number seven s-h-i-f-t-s dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free what are you doing right now i'll tell you what you're doing if you're in the market for a new pos you're headed to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to set up your own demo and you're going to find out why it's the most recommended pos on the show by a landslide guys if you use my link not only will you get the incentives that toast is offering you by using the link I'll also share my commission with you. I'll split my commission with you 50-50 after taxes. That's about $2,000. So I'll send you a check for $1,000 to say thank you and to help support you during these weird times. Again, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today. But real quick, I just want to remind you to please support the show. There's a bunch of ways you can support the show. One way you support the show is by using our links. If you're interested in any of our sponsors, uh, when you use our links, you tell our sponsors that you're listening, that you're paying attention and that it pays to sponsor restaurant unstoppable podcast. So right now we have seven shifts and 99 designs sponsoring the show. Uh, seven shifts has been recommended so many times on the show in uh, 99 designs is a tool that I've used in the past that I'm actually going to use again in the future real soon. I'm going to be collaborating with 99designs to have them do my design for the Restaurant Unstoppable Network, the new logo for Restaurant Unstoppable Network. And I can't wait to kind of share my experience to give you guys firsthand um, perspective of what it's like to use this service. But if you right now are somebody who who's kind of like me in the sense that you don't really have great design skills. You're not artistic and you don't really have the bandwidth to try to create your own thing. Then check out 99 designs, uh, collaborate with 
thousands of designers, artists, graphic designers from around the world. And you can do a contest where you, you put out the project to a bunch of people, or you can work one-on-one with uh, an artist that's just right for you. Um, I'm not sure which, which one I'm going to be using, but I'll report back soon, but just really, um, it's a great service. If you guys haven't checked out 99 designs, I highly recommend you do it. And then the other thing I want to give you guys a heads up about is that we have, uh, Jim Laub in restaurantowner.com. You're going to be hearing some new ads for Jim Laub and restaurantowner.com. Uh, one, because restaurantowner.com is always being recommended on the show. For as long as I've been recording this podcast, he has been on my radar and they do great work over at restaurantowner.com. If you're looking for templates, if you're new to the industry, you're looking for templates, you're looking for things like, like, business plans, checklists, uh, labor management s- spreadsheets, things of this nature, and you and you want to take what's already been created and plug it into your restaurant, highly recommend you go check out restaurantowner.com. And their their latest platform, their newest project, is they're launching their e-learning platform, where right now, if you join Restaurant Unstoppable Network, you get six months free of restaurantowner.com, access to their entire archive. That's a value of $180. And uh, on top of that, they're going to be giving you access to their e-learning platform where you and three of your managers get access. uh, Sorry, you three of your managers and 30 employees get access to the e-learning platform where you can take videos that they've created, plug it into your platform, and you can upload your own videos. So if you're interested in streaming or streamlining your training program, then I highly recommend you check out restaurantowner.com and use my link because you'll get six months free when you're in the network, restaurant stoppable network. I'm really excited about the relationships we're building over there. Um, on top of that, uh, we have Carrie Luxem who's giving two months free of Carrie Luxem HR, her private group, which is essentially like restaurant owner, but f- solely focus on restaurant human resources. Uh, we have toast where I'm, I'm still offering my $1,000, uh, cash back. Uh, when you sign up with toast, when you're in the network and I'm setting up special deals where I think the, the approach is going to be, I just want to split my commission with my network to say, thank you. So I'm telling you, if you sign up for the network, uh, you're going to get the best rates out there. You're going to get the best deals with my preferred vendors, the tools and services that are being recommended on the show. So today we have a great episode for you. Kate McGrath from the Rail Penny Tavern in Epping, New Hampshire. Um, again, another one of Jay McSherry's restaurants. Uh, he's a partner in this restaurant, and I'm such a Jay McSherry fanboy. It's kind of embarrassing, but I love what he's doing. I love how he he promotes from within. He creates opportunity for his people from within, and Kate McGrath is another one of those success stories. And um, we get into it in the episode, but really great advice about just treating it like you own it. Uh, the power of having work ethic, the power of good communication and just being straightforward and blunt and the, the having standards and training and just constantly getting better is a lot of what comes out in today's episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest. She originates from Newfields, New Hampshire, and is a graduate of the University of New Hampshire, where she studied liberal arts, political science, and communications. In 2003, she joined Jumpin' Jay Fish Cafe, or sorry, Jumpin' Jay's Fish Cafe, where she would go on to become general manager. In 2016, she partnered with Jay McSherry, her previous boss at Jumpin' Jay's, and Andrew Wilson to open the Rail Penny Tavern, 
which in 2020 was recognized by New Hampshire Magazine as one of the best overall dining experiences in New Hampshire. Kate McGrath, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am unstoppable. Yes, you are. And I cannot wait to dive into your story. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Every day I start my day thinking, take your chance. And also just recognize when that chance is there. Because far too often we don't really see it and we'll let things pass by. How, like, how do you know? Like, is it like a gut feeling? And like, what does taking that chance look like? Taking the chance is honestly just believing in yourself and recognizing that it might not, it might be not be the easy choice. It might not be the easy decision. And, you know, you have to think about where you want to be in the future and what you're willing to do to get there. I love that. And honestly, I think we get so worked up in our heads sometimes. Like we, we, we build things up to be greater than they actually are or like more scary than, than it actually is. And like, we are literally like, like just like specks of dust, on a rock hurling through space like the universe is so great and we get so worked up about these little things in life right absolutely yeah just take the chance just go for it i love it inch by inch life's a cinch yard by yard life is hard (laughs) like you know you just gotta take it one little bit at a time kate did brag that she has some really great taglines and inspirational (gasps) quotes She's like, how do I choose just one? I have so many. It's not even funny. I'm known for my taglines. I love it. I love it. It's huge. Um, So where does it make sense to start sharing your story, Kate? I mean, if we're going to talk about uh, the restaurant industry, that would start to me by having a really hard work ethic. Mm. I mean, my ability to put in as much time, as many hours as is needed is really what is, I think part of my success story. Um, Both of my parents were extremely hard workers and would do whatever they needed to do to provide for me and my sister and make us feel comfortable in life. But I'll never forget when I was like 17 years old, standing in my kitchen and my mom said, you know, if you just learn to become a waitress, no matter where you go or what you do, you will always have a job. Yes, that is great advice. And I think not many people realize how significant like their role in the restaurant industry is if you are somebody who likes to travel, like you can literally like this job, this industry will get you anywhere in the world. There's always opportunity for you. So travel is a huge part of my um, world and my life. Like I really wasn't exposed to it when I was younger. And so uh, by the time I was in college and one of my best friends decided to go travel, I was, you know, really in this strange place where I wanted to succeed in school, but I also wanted to see the world. Mm. And truthfully, the restaurant industry is what made that all like come together for me. Really? And Oh, a hundred percent. When did that, where in the timeline does it make sense? Cause we can bookmark this if we, if it makes, if it's later on, um, it would be in negotiating my contract at jump and Jay's. Okay. Let's wait then. Cause sure. you came on in 2003, right? You're 19 years old. Yes. It wasn't your first restaurant job. Was it? No, I had had the opportunity to work at the Old Salt in Hampton as well. Uh, So that's where I started hosting and just had my first glimpse of the restaurant world, which was very fun and exciting. And the uh, other employees that I was working with, like I really admired so many of them and really wanted to just kind of be on their same level. So, uh, you know, that was my sort of catalyst to like learn great service to learn how to take care of people and to recognize needs and wants even before people know what they want. Yeah. Do you think you had the bug at this time? Like, did you catch the hospitality bug? Like, were you convinced like this was your path or did it take some more? 
No, I, I was really into the money. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I had a really great time doing it, but it was it was definitely the green that was inspiring yeah. me. I mean, there's few jobs you can get as a teenager and have as much earning potential than the restaurant industry, for sure. Um, any key mentors at the Old Salt, or did that mentorship not really kick in until you, you took your job at Jump and Chase? Uh, well, I have a lot of respect for the Higgins family. You know, just the fact that it was like a family-run, operated establishment, that was pretty cool. Um, you know, from grandma, you know, upstairs in the office to like the kids coming into the kitchen and playing. Like, I love that because my kiddo comes into the restaurant here and is just like part of the team. You know, like he knows when he's going downstairs to say corner. Um, so like train him young, (laughs) you know, get him in. Um, so I think that was a really wonderful way to just sort of enter into the industry there. Um, and you know, as far as like a true mentor uh, in the restaurant industry, it would certainly start with Kath Gallant um, of Blue Moon Evolution, and uh, and then clearly Jay McSherry is is my man. So, who came into your life chronologically first? I know you're. You, we we chatted before we hit record. And I know you're friends. So, side note, fun fact: um, Kate was friends with my sister and Jared's sister growing up, and I didn't put the pieces of the puzzle together until I picked up Jared to come here and. It's a, it's a small world. It is a small world. So we started talking about that, and you were talking about how you're really c- close friends with Cat, uh, 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 my past guest in the show from Blue Moon, her daughter. So, I mean, a great restaurant family, a uh, great family to be influenced by. Get into, get into that influence. So the biggest thing with Kath was uh, I remember being at her house in high school and opening up her cabinet and she'd say to me, Kate, go ahead and take whatever you want. And I just kind of stare blankly because I had no idea what anything was. You know, it was like all from Blue Moon. It was labels I had never seen before. It was like quinoa and whole grains. And, you know, I'm used to like steak and potatoes um, or like grilled cheese on right. white bread with yellow <laughs> cheese. <laughs> you know? So it was like your first like introduction to like what food could be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just her food was really amazing. Like I was so privileged to be at their house all the time and she would just like whip something up and it would just be the most delicious thing you had ever had in your life. Nice. I love that. Um, so do you think they influenced you in, in getting into the rest, like working in restaurants or was that just by chance that you were friends with these folks? Well, uh, definitely by chance, I would say, although um, the way that I was introduced into Jumpin' Jays and everything was because uh, Alyssa's father helped to build out Jumpin' Jays. Uh, In return, Alyssa was um, offered and earned the host position at Jumpin' Jays because she's bomb. So Mr. Gallant. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Lisa started hosting there and busing, and I was working doubles at the Old Salt in Hampton from like 10 to 10, and she would work like three and a half hours as a busser for, you know, just, I mean, crushing it, but three and a half hours. And she'd always make more cash than I did. I was <laughs> like, you've got to find a way to get me in there. So um, she had to put her name out there to, to get me a chance to work there, and I... You know, even though I had already been serving and had done my time and sort of moving my way up the ladder as I had thought, I did recognize that this was my chance to work at Jumpin' Jays. And so I took the bait and started hosting. I love the hosting position, by the way. It's my it's favorite. Probably my most favorite position. All right. So I'm curious. Um, Jumpin' Jays opened in 2000, right? Correct. So where where was Jumpin' Jays? Like, paint that picture of like where they were in their life cycle, their journey. Because I know they they scaled a lot. I know they at least 
blowed down a wall at one point. Oh, it was yeah. smaller originally, right? It was really tiny to start. The very first year, I think it had maybe like 16 seats or something like that. 16, 20 seats. I think I said 20. Yeah, yeah. It was real tiny. I didn't work there until they had actually um, opened up the second or okay. first wall. But then in time, there was a second wall that was opened up and Jay was able to expand ultimately three times. Nice. Okay, so, so get into like your your first impression of what was there was it anything unique about jays versus the other places you worked or like what's just what was that experience like jumping jays was an entirely different experience <laughs> um i was on a whole other level of professionalism from uh menu knowledge. Um, I mean, the chefs that we were working with at that time included um, like Simon Lambert, who opened up four and um, Jethro, whose name of last name I'm forgetting, but he works over at Mossimo Um, there. I mean, just John Harrington. There's really some Jason Johnson. I mean, wow, I can just go on. The list just goes on and on. So the chefs that were there were really like a whole new caliber for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The level of service was to the extreme. Uh, The idea of like wiping down tables and that anything on it, you know, is trash. Like if there's an empty can that's trash if there's you know a wrapper from oyster crackers or something like that's trash that can't be there like everything needs to look perfect polished all the time so who at this time when you came on board three years into jumping jay's existence who was like the leader who was the person kind of like setting the tone and kind of showing people what the expectation was is there one person that comes to mind Laminda Puckett was the uh, original general manager of Jumpin' Jays. She was this fiery little redhead uh, who went on to open up the Red Ginger in Portsmouth, a little sandwich shop, um, which I think closed just a couple of years ago, but she had a great run. Um, she was really intense, which, and she was amazing with the guests. So I had the privilege of hosting with her and seeing how she interacted with people. I mean, just knowing people's names and faces when they walk in the door and greeting them just with the warmest smile and genuine, you know, like happiness to yeah. see them. Drop her name on us one more time. Laminda Puckett or Lam- Mindy. Laminda Mindy for short. Um, so what did she like, is there anything like reflecting back, you know, she was setting the pace. She was kind of leading the charge. Right. But did she teach you anything like in particular? Was she a mentor to you in any kind of way? Was there somebody like that for you? Um, I mean, I really learned the, how to work a host book, you know, turn times and making the right accommodations and really being able to ultimately play the game of Tetris when it comes yeah. to hosting. Get Paint that picture of what that job done right looks like. Well, I've, I mean, Back in the day and now are like kind of two different stories. You know, uh, back in the day we were working with like a three ring binder (laughs) and, you know, different squares and you would have to like allocate a certain amount of time for a party, assuming, you know, three top is going to take, you know, an hour and 45 minutes and then you want to schedule the next party, you know, right after that. And you know these people and you know they always stay a little extra longer. So you got to customize it, right? Exactly. And being able to adjust to walk-ins and just always being able to kind of like morph and shift and... And do what is needed to do to get as many people through that door and at your table. Yeah. And I meant to mention this earlier, but I think that the host position is the most underrated position in the restaurant industry for sure, because it can make or break a dining experience. You look at the most successful restaurant tours, they're hosts. 
Honestly, hosting is 100% my favorite position, and I do find it crazy that it is considered the entry-level position. I know. It's so ludicrous, in my opinion. Why is it your favorite? Well, I mean, honestly, you are the first person that the guest sees and the last person that, you know, they have an interaction with before they walk out. Mm -hmm. And so you're really able to set the tone. Um, I think really greeting people, you know, I always say that working in the restaurant every day is like throwing a party Mm. and I have the opportunity to mingle with people and check in on them and know how their lives are and see how, see their kids grow. And it's just this wonderful experience to have, uh, just that interaction. Yeah. And they like, and they're controlling like the book, you know, like they're controlling ultimately they're, they're, they're like the, the governor, you know? And I don't think people realize how important that is. Like, cause like if they make one little mistake that could like mess up, it could trigger like the rest of the night could go bad, you know? Totally. You don't uh, get your guests to the window exactly. or like you, you know, you don't allocate the right turn time for them or, you know, you miss the fact that it said birthday and you're supposed to bring out a candle on the dessert. Like there are so many things that fall on the shoulders of the host. Exactly. And communication is what it's key. And usually when everyone else is getting into the weeds, that's when the host's position starts to slow down. And most restaurants you go, the host just stays locked to that that counter. And I think it's good that you want to have that presence at that, that, that first impression. But at the same time, like turn around and like read a room. Like is somebody in is somebody trying to get someone's attention, like go over and be like, can I relay a message to the server? Like whatever, like you can, you can be there in such, not just for the guests, but for your team. Cause you can read them like, Oh, Sally's in the weeds. Like maybe like give her a break and like hook up somebody who's not really busy right now. There's just so many little things. Sure. I mean, I don't believe in standing still in the restaurant. So no. they, you, you know, see it all the time though when you go out to eat, <laughs> like when you go to other places, like the host just stays glued and like they just don't leverage that position nearly enough in my, my, my opinion. I believe the host position is a fluid position and that they're required to be as much of the team as anybody else. So what's some like Jedi host, like next level moves <laughs> that you teach your team? If, if you agree with me that it's, a, it's like such a valuable position. Um, you know, uh, efficiency is one thing I really do believe in keeping efficiency in conversation. So, um, knowing what you have available for reservation times and, uh, when you're able to answer the phone instead of saying like, Oh, well, what time did you want to come in and how many people are in your party? And you know, it's really just like, I have a table available at seven 30, you know, and it's just like, it gives you the opportunity to just focus on what you need to do, which is helping out your team you know, getting off the phone so that you can then tend to your guests who are at the door. And so um, I think having the proper means of communication and the proper speech is really important. And also just having the knowledge. I mean, you have to educate your team um, without education. uh, Geez, I don't know. Menu, name of the restaurant, phone number, website, like what's in this menu item? What does this caption at the top mean? What's that symbol on there? I don't, you know, like, and and it sounds like education was a big part of jumping J early. One of the things that you noticed, not to say anybody was doing anything wrong, but from moving from the old salt to jumping J's, you said it wasn't an elevated level of education that I pick up on that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, wine service was one of those things that was really huge. I've had the opportunity to expand my palate and also travel, uh, consequently through wine and, and uh, that's a huge learning curve. Yeah. Um, wine is a language in and of itself. Oh my gosh. It's so, yeah. <laughs> I actually, before I started the podcast, when I decided, like when I got the idea for the podcast, I was working at Jeweltown Vineyards as the assistant winemaker. Okay. And yeah. Okay. I can yeah, get on your like, level right like, now. Absolutely. Like it's <laughs> so, like there's it's such a deep world. It's just like, it's endless. Yeah. Um, so um, 
backpedaling, uh, you said, you know, on this idea of the significance of training, can you really paint that picture of like what they gave you and like what the training looked like and what the education looked like? Like what level did they take that? Um, we had tests all the time, you know, to be able to know that we were staying on top of the menu and that we were, you know, studying the wine and the drink list and could pretty much recite anything, you know, down to which dish had salt and pepper, pinch of sugar or what have you. I mean, we were very, very, very knowledgeable. Um, Give me an example of like some of like the obscure things that they would expect you to know and why they thought that that was important. I mean, I had somebody come in one time and ask me where our butter came from, um, which, you know, I was like, um, the cow. I'm going to have to go look at that, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, um, and so I, I would get to the point where I would end up knowing labels, you know, mm-hmm. like where did it come from? Like, not only like what is the label or what is the brand, but what is the state and what is the town that it was in? And try to get in as close to the food as possible which i think has honestly been way easier now especially where things are a lot more local and um you really get to know your farmers and where your food's coming from so um i think that's gotten even better in time but that was definitely something that it's like you know where's you know where's the tea made yeah well i mean i think how much easier is it to remember something when there's a person tied to it right when it's not just an object but it's a relationship Totally. You know, I think it's huge. Um, what else made an impression on you in your, in your early days when you when you jumped and you joined the, the team at Jumping Jays? Honestly, efficiency and just the concept of like full hands in, full hands out, mm-hmm. and um, just the time to lean, time to yeah. clean, like all of those little things. Like I learned all those mantras there, and those are things that I've really held closely um you know three hellos and three goodbyes like anytime your guest is in the establishment like it doesn't matter whether they're coming or going like i say i say if you don't know what to say to someone just say it's nice to see you because regardless it's nice to see you coming or it's nice to see you going but it's good to see you i know know? i think it's just important to acknowledge people right oh my gosh of course and like once they walk through the doors you see it all the time people just walk around each other and like once they're in they kind of get ignored unless it's your table Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, like you said, I think Zingerman's does it really well. I can't remember the rule. It's like they have like a three ten, like a, a ten five three rule or something like that. But like, depending on how far away they are from you, determines like, like if they're ten feet away, make eye contact. If they're five feet away, then like verbally say something, like acknowledge their presence. But it's so people just want to be seen. It's so powerful. Definitely. Yeah. You know, the one thing that um, maybe I haven't touched on, but I think it's the one of the foundations of my restaurant life is full house pool what's that (laughs) so uh some restaurants you are a server and you have a section and in your section you make your tips so whatever you know however you service your guests uh that is your that's your your tip amount that's what you take home with you full house pool is essentially that everyone has their section that they tend to but nobody has their own section ultimately at the end of the day we need to take care of all of our guests and not just your section of guests so full house pool means that um at the end of the night you're all working with the same hourly rate yeah so i've had conversations with people um their names will not be included who believe that pooling tips is horrible because it it creates uh less incentive for people to work harder What, what what are your thoughts to that statement so I say if you can't rise to the top and keep up with the team, then you're just not able to be on the team. Yeah. 
So I believe it, you know, I believe the cream rises to the top and I've had a lot of, you know, with full house pool, I think the biggest thing is that you have to, as the owner or manager, be willing to terminate people mm. because if you're not willing to work just as hard as your coworkers, if you're not showing up on time, if you're not pulling your weight with your side work, if you're not earning the same tips, if you don't have regulars and guests requesting you, if you are not part of the team, then you cannot be on the team. Mm. So what are like what are some of the the most significant pros to pooling? Uh, let's say you have somebody who comes in who is a big tipper or you have a large party. You know, it really cuts down on drama because you're not fighting over who's going to get that in their section. And so if there's no like unfairness, like somebody drops a $200 tip, you know, and it's it doesn't just go to the girl who got the $200 tip. It really goes to the team and it goes to the pool. Um for me, the benefit is that everybody works together. You know, at the end of the day, if you have a guest who is unhappy with their experience, but you could have corrected it by asking someone on your team to lend a hand, you know, everybody loses in that scenario because your guest isn't going to come back. Yeah. If you have the opportunity to rely on your team and say, hey, I just got triple sat and I know uh, these folks are waiting on a drink order. Can you give me a hand? And then that segues everything so that they end up having a great experience. Then they come back yeah, and, and then they keep coming back. And now you've made a regular. Yeah. I love that. And, um, even like reflecting on what you're saying, cause I was, I hosted at the library restaurant right around the same time you were hosting at, um, jumping Jays. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to, cause we pulled tips or we tipped out the bartender and the, the host. And I remember thinking to myself, like it gave, like knowing that I was going to get tipped out, like and knowing that we we're going to share the tips made me want to show up that much more for everybody else. Cause I, if I, I noticed the difference that if I showed up and I went a little extra to, to support my team, to be there for my team when they didn't need me to necessarily be there, but I could see that they were busy. And then if I could take a tray from somebody and like, just do something simple like that for a mm-hmm. server when they're like deep in it, like that is such a huge relief. And like, they recognize it. They, they appreciate it. They, they, they show you their appreciation when they tip you out. I know it's a little different, the model you were using because you guys share across all boards, right? Like we, you pull it, but it's the same mentality. I think that like, if you're there, if it encourages people to be there for each other. And I I can agree with that. Um, Take us through like the logistics of how you track that, how you pull the money in any legalities associated with that, that we should be mindful of when we are pulling tips that are worth bringing to the conversation. The main legality that I would say is that as a owner and manager, you're not allowed to be part of the tip pool. So really at the end of the day, I cannot force my staff to pool their tips. Um, I have been able to encourage it and been able to share my vision of why I think that's the best step moving forward for us and for our team. And my staff has really been able to get on board with that and recognize the value in working together. And truthfully, when I opened the restaurant, although I had a pooling model, I modeled it so that the servers pooled their tips, the bartenders pooled their tips, um, and then the servers would tip out the bartenders. In time, uh, due to the cooperation that we had and having a few employees who worked as both a server and a bartender, they recognized that there really wasn't any difference in what they were doing and how they were working. And they, it was my team who brought it up to me that they thought it should be a full house pool across the board. So, um, back of house and front of house, uh, front of the house. Okay. I was curious about that. Uh, back of the house is, 
its own entity, which I do think is one of the interesting aspects of the restaurant industry or a model that can shift. Um, I will say that we have shifted significantly with how we have taken care of our support staff, especially since COVID. Um, Because honestly, the truth of the matter is, is that the dynamics have shifted. What you do as a server is a little bit less intense now because of the distance that you're keeping and um, maybe the, you know, we're not focused on like wiping your table as closely or getting up next to you, but it's the bussers and the, you know, who are actually a little bit closer and like touching your silverware. And and so we, uh, during this time, have shifted our model and have actually been giving more to our support staff. Okay. Um, The one thing I want to get out of you, before we move on, uh, I'm loving the conversation, by the way. Um, you said that you're able to, to sell your staff or to convince your staff that this is the best approach for them and for the business. What, is that, what does that dialogue look like? So if, we, if we're listening to this and we want to go in this direction of, of tip pooling, how, like how can we convince our own people that this is the best way? I mean, I think it's truthfully a, a personality of it's you have to have the right personality and the willingness to trust in your team. Uh, so I think it even goes back further to choosing the right people to be part of the team. Um, and, but once you're on the team, this, it's not really a sell. It's more of just an understanding that we are going to be here together. And at the end of the day, we're here to support each other. We're here to take care of our guests. We're here to serve great food. And if we can do those three things, then we're going to be successful. And, and really, I I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just, um, I guess it's just something that I so deeply believe in that I hope that when I discuss it with people that they can see that I think that it's really in their best interest, um, to be that team. I I love that. Yeah. So when did it start shifting in your career that like, this is no longer just my for now job for cash? Uh, Cause you were with Jumpin' Jays for eight years, correct? 14. 14. Why did I get eight? Where did I get eight years from? Maybe you managed for eight uh, years? Uh, I started in 03. I became general manager in 05. And then I left in 16 so that I could take a few months before opening Rail Penny. Yeah. So what did this evolution look like? When did, when did your role start changing? Did they just start giving you more work gradually over time? Or did they just take you off the host position and say, now you're the general manager? How did that transition work for you? Uh, I did a couple of years as a server and I maybe took like four months to attend bar just to get a little bit of a better understanding of it. Um, but basically I graduated UNH. I was 22. The general manager at the time, Jordana Langloy, was leaving for California. Uh, she was the one who worked most closely with me and saw potential. Okay. So that was when I had my first interview with nice. Jay. How does she know that? How did you know that she saw something in you? Did, like, Take us through that. I'm a super hard worker and I'm really passionate about what I do. So uh, not only is it like taking care of the restaurant and and doing everything that I can to make it clean and run efficiently and be there to support the team, but also, you know, my investment in my guests and how much I genuinely care about them Mm. and get to know them. And can you train that? I don't know. No, I don't don't think think you can. I, I think that there is a person who is like industry, you know? Yeah. I yeah, think it's a mentality. Dan calls it the 51 percenters, right? <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's what it is. Oh, love Danny. Yeah. <laughs> I always throw an S at the end of his name. Danny Meyer. Danny Meyer. I apologize, Meyer. Danny. Um, in case you're listening to this, I know you are. <laughs> of um, course no, he is. Of course not. Um, so, <laughs> so 
when she like take us to that point where she suggested that you might be a good manager how did that conversation look that was actually a huge turning point in my life and this was actually if we go back to like taking a chance uh this is one of those chances um so yeah so 22 just graduated college like thought I was going to move to Washington DC and get into politics and kind of had like an aha moment which was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> um, so that was uh, ultimately why I was still at the restaurant. So I think uh, she just knew that I was somebody who is, if given an opportunity, is really passionate about it and wouldn't, you know, wouldn't accept failure. Yeah. Did, did she, how does she say this? Like, how does she bring it up? Like, do you remember what she said to you? Uh, she just sat me down at the bar and said, I'm going to be leaving for California and I think you should take over the manager position. <laughs> okay. And so then um, I said I was interested and I, like I said, I went and talked to Jay. Um, and that was, like I said, it was a really hard time for me because I was 22 yeah. and I had a bunch of friends who were traveling the world and backpacking yeah. and like that was where my heart and my passion was at the time. Like I really just wanted to make some money and get on a plane and go everywhere. Okay. Um, and were they receptive to that? So, uh, ultimately when I talked to Jay and we discussed me taking on, um, jumping Jays at like being a manager there, I remember just expressing my concern about travel and I negotiated with him to have him take care of one travel uh, plane ticket for me once a year so that I could go somewhere on my vacation. That's pretty awesome. Um, what should we learn from that? Well, I think that sometimes you have to realize what you want and what you want to try to do and find that happy medium. Yeah, and communicate. Let it be known. Absolutely. you can't expect people to know what you want. You have to state it. You have to put it out there before you agree to terms too. At the beginning of the relationship is when you discuss this stuff. Openness and honesty is I think key to being in this relationship or anything truthfully. I mean, if you just put your, you know, heart and cards out on the table and you're willing to just be truthful, it will take you far. Yeah. And I think the other lesson too is what does that communicate to your staff when you are willing to work for them or with them on these terms, right? You're willing to meet them halfway. And not only are you willing to meet them halfway, but you're willing to support what they want to do and help like, and pay for them to go places, right? I mean, Jay is the man. And what he really understood is that I am there for him and I will support him and I will have his back. And and I knew in turn that he had my best interest at heart too. Uh, even a few years after I took on managing, it was probably... Uh, I don't know, 2005 or 2007, 2008. And I had told Jay that I was going to quit as general manager of Jay's. And he asked me why. And I said, well, I've been doing it a couple years now and I still really haven't like lived out my twenties and like, I want to go to Mexico. And, and he said, well, how long do you want to go to Mexico? And I was like, I need like a couple months, you know? And, and I said, I love you. I love jumping Jay's. I love everything about this place. I was like, I just... I need to be me for a little. And he said, find someone who's willing to take your position, train him for, you know, a couple months. And when you're ready to come back, like you'll have your job waiting for you. What does that communicate? Uh, honestly, I think he valued me as an employee. You know, I, I think Jay knew from the beginning that he and I were going to have a relationship for a long haul. And you mentioned earlier, it's so important that you you know that your your people, the people that you're working for, care for you. Um, they have to know. So, 
paint that picture of the things that he would do, not with just you, but things all of you would do for the people that you're, you know, bringing up with you because you're a manager at this point. So you have to echo the same things that he's doing. He's giving you, he's listening to you. You're also listening to the people that you're bringing up. Like, what does that look like? Showing people that you care. I think starting with respect um, and also trust. So uh, I, I love knowing everything that's going on and to give up some uh, responsibility. It can be really challenging sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I can remember giving up the bar program at Jumpin' Jays and relinquishing that over, um, which was like a extreme turning curve for me to not be like the one in charge of what the cocktails were yeah, or I can, I can relate to that, you know, like, yeah. cause you feel passionate about it. It's like, you know, I have a couple cocktails that we started the rail penny with and I'm like, Oh my God, like those are like mine. They yeah, can't go anywhere. Just, <laughs> in setting up today, like trying to give Jared more responsibility and like arranging stuff. Like I know what it's like to like not jump in and to not influence things that you had control over. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you have for somebody who might be going through that right now, who might be trying to delegate an element of the business to somebody and that, like, how did you remove yourself slowly from that? I think by um, keeping a cautious eye on on what was coming out of the bar, per se, or what the cocktails were, and making sure that they were staying uh, on trend with what we were doing, um, and just giving, like, little points of guidance without trying to be overbearing. Um, I will say I also have matured a lot <laughs> because I think – um, being so young and eager and not having a family. And there were so many different points that made me like the badass bitch that I was okay. because <laughs> I was very much like, um, like you're either with me or you're not. Yeah. And if you can hear me talking to you right now in the middle of service, then you're messing up. Okay. And if I'm not talking to you, then we're cool. <laughs> so when somebody is messing up, like, how do you balance that? Like that, like, cause like it can be tough to talk to somebody in the middle of service. If they're like, do you have an approach, a, a, a best practice <laughs> to, to like not completely throw somebody off their game in the middle of service? You know, not trying not to uh, really get into it in service is super important. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, for me, what is important is to be able to have somebody identify the moment and then to be able to reflect on it afterward. Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, you'll be so weeded or, or in it and you don't even realize or, you know, as a, a server, like you don't realize what you're doing or or you don't see your facial expressions or your body language. And I think it's really important to like point it out like, hey, you have a sour face right now. Like, let's change yeah. that, you know, and then going back and talking about it later, like what was going on? Yeah. Why do you have such a bad attitude? Like, but I think trying to just correct it in the moment and then reflect on it after. Create self-awareness. Yes. Sometimes people just aren't self-aware and like you have to bring them to that self-aware point and then address it later. I, I love that approach. Um, anything we haven't discussed up to this point in your, in your come up uh, before the, the conversation starts with Jay about maybe opening your own place? Um, no, I mean, I think... Um, I think I have to give credit definitely to all of the other like servers and bartenders who I have kind of grown up with because, you know, I barely even knew how to make a Cosmo or a Manhattan and I'm like telling you what to do. And, right. and I think that, you know, I really have to give a lot of respect to 
um, like Mindy, who started managing before me, who set the tone in the restaurant and just the people that I work with who were willing to work with me and help me become you know, where I am. Yeah. That's something I think I kind of want to unpackage. Cause you just mentioned again, um, you mentioned earlier that if you're not with me, you know, you're, you're not, I can't remember the exact words you use, but it's that, that tone that getting people aligned and making sure people, everyone is on the same page. What is the secret to making sure everyone's on the same page? Everyone is aligned with what the expectation is, what the standard is, what the vision is. How do you guys communicate that? I think just having a really clear vision and clear expectations is just the way to go. You know, you can't always be somebody's best friend um, and somebody's boss all at the same time. So letting somebody know like what you expect of them makes it so that you can draw that line in the sand and you Mm. can make it really clear about you're not meeting my expectations as you know, me as your employer versus like, we can be friends. Yeah. Um, you know, that's always a really, really hard line to kind of tread yeah. on. Um, but I think if you just have clear expectations and you're honest, you know, like you can, you know exactly how I feel about you just by looking at my face. Like yeah. you can, I can tell you what you need to know with my eyes. <laughs> I, I have nothing to add to that. I love this. We're going to take one quick break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to unpackage how you came to be the owner of the Rail Penny Tavern. There's no secret that the economy is suffering from COVID-19. This is a time of adversity. You need to level up. You need to figure out new ways to make your business work, like adapting with new takeaway options or at-home dining experiences. And design is a huge part of that. That is why we're partnering with 99designs. And if you are listening to this and you are still hanging on and, and you're, you've gotten lean and you're doing all you can to, to evolve and adapt your business and you just have nothing left in the tank for creativity or you don't even have the people on your team to delegate to because you're such a skeleton crew, but you, you need to have that online presence. It's a kind of a catch 22. Well, if you're like, how the hell am I going to do this? Here's how you're going to do it. You're going to do it with 99designs. 99designs is a creative platform that connects people and businesses with graphic designers and creative professionals around the world. There's two ways to work with 99designs. First, you can run a contest. So basically, you just have a bunch of artists and designers working on your creative project. You go back and forth, you get different iterations, you get feedback, you select your winner, and that's it. That's the contest. Or the second way you work with 99designs is by doing a one-on-one project. You get matched with the perfect designer for you. You guys bring the idea to life, and from start to finish, you work with that person. You can negotiate pricing directly with the designer, and you can work with them one-on-one until your design is complete. So whichever way is right for you, go check out 99designs for your creative solution today. And when you use this link, www.99designs.com slash unstoppable right now, you will get $20 off your first design contest. That's the contest, not the one-on-one project. Again, that's www.99designs.com slash unstoppable. We are back and uh, I want to spend the rest of our time together talking about how you made this transition from, you know, general manager to partner in the greater family of restaurants. So when did this, when did like the conversation even start? 
I believe the conversation started back in 2015, and Jay actually reached out to me uh, to say that there was a property for sale out in, you know, middle of New Hampshire, and was I interested in it? He knew that I had grown up around here. Um, And so really, he had come to me with the opportunity to potentially invest with him. In 2015? Yes. So what what was going through your mind when this first came to you? I mean, I was super excited and also I think a little naive. Like I, I believe, I believe so wholeheartedly in Jay. Um, And when he offered me this opportunity, you know, I was just like, yeah, of course I would do this. I mean, why wouldn't I? Like, how would I not pursue? I mean, there was not even like a, a, a negative thought about it. You know, it was sort of just like, okay, so now's the time. Like, let's do this. So did you ever like make it clear that you someday wanted to open your own place? Did you put that into the universe? Did you communicate that? Was it conversations like like those dreaming conversations, those visionary conversations that you're having that maybe gave them the clue? I mean, I feel like such a jerk when I say it sometimes, but no. Like Why this, would you feel like a jerk? <laughs> well, because I know like some people like dream of having a restaurant or or it's just like something that they like work so hard for. Like they'll go to school for it and they invest the time and they work at so many restaurants and then maybe it just like doesn't ever pan out. And meeting Jay and having the opportunity to be part of Jumpin' Jay's was not, I mean, it wasn't just about restaurants. Like it's, it's greater than that it's really about people yes and and i am a self-proclaimed jay mcsherry fanboy to like the nth degree because he comes up organically so often uh and how he he doesn't build restaurants he builds people totally and and that's it's so clear and and he he recognizes when somebody has it And and i think he just saw it in you he knew you had it he knew your strength he was willing to work with you to keep you whatever it took to make sure you came back home Whenever you left, you would come back to Jumpin' Jays, you know? Mm-hmm. And he knew that you were going to go off and do your own thing. If somebody didn't give you the opportunity, you know, if, if, he, if he didn't give you the opportunity, somebody else would, you know? And I think that's in, – in knowing that and being willing – so, like, how did he approach you? Like, what does it look like? Like, what's that – how does – like, if we have somebody on our team who is, like, a hospitalitarian to, like, the nth degree and we know that they're going to go on and do their own thing, like, how do we approach that person and give them opportunity? I mean, it was really, it was a meeting in the office. It came off as kind of any other meeting that we were going to have. There was nothing like super special to make me think that I was walking into a different scenario. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it was really just, you know, Jamie Sherry casual, like, oh, how's the restaurant? Oh, by the way, do you want to open up a restaurant with me? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <That's> so, <cool. laughs> so, I mean, honestly, like I've worked so feel- hard. I've worked so hard to be here. Like the hours I've put in, the passion that I have behind it, the, um, t- I mean, blood, sweat, tears, like for real. Um, and, and I've really like sunk my teeth into it. Like jumping Jays was my first baby for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I love that because it, I don't think I've said it yet. I'm surprised if I, if I haven't said it yet. Cause I say this all the time, treat it like you own it and someday you will, maybe not that restaurant, but you'll create an opportunity for yourself. You yeah. treat it like you own it. Um, and you treated it like you, you owned it from like the very beginning, your passion, you were, you know, you, you were a go getter. You, you, you probably didn't need to be told to do things. You just treated it like it was your own. Is that safe to say? Yeah. And I think that's part of, you know, Jay is all about opportunity and when he sees it, he's willing to take it. And I think knowing that, 
you know, I was ready for my own place, whether I was aware of it or not. You know, I, th- I know that he knew by partnering me- with me that he didn't have to worry. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have, again, like blood, sweat, tears, like rail penny is, is my like world. I'm, I mean, my, like I said, my family's here, my kiddos here. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, he's hosted with me. Like it's a, it, it is, uh, I don't know. It's just, just, I'll take care of this place. And I feel like a lot of people, um, I don't know why they avoid or they don't give more opportunity. Um, but like how, like what is your advice for structuring that relationship, that business relationship when you're, cause you, did you put money up? Like how did that work? Did you, you did? Yeah. So, uh, Jay, uh, Jay invested 51% I invested 49% and then we took out a loan for the rest. So, uh, he does have that one percentage over me right now. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that on like be because like, you know, you kind of have to, yeah. Um, why, why do you kind of have to? I just think that you have to have the scales tipped one way or another, you know, like I do understand 50, 50 partnerships are great, but, uh, for me, like Jay is such a mentor to me. Like I will always be one to follow his guidance yeah. and to take everything that he says wholeheartedly. But he follows. I'm and I'm because I've spoken to other people who who he, he works with. We just had um um I'm ha- Dave Vargas. Yes, Matt thank Lewis. you very much, Matt Lewis. We've had so many people that are, are close to. I even had uh, Jonathan uh, Black. Blakesley. Blakesley on the show too. Like so many people and like usually I don't know until after I send the invitation that there is some type of relation, but he uses that approach. I think with either that 49 or that 50 split. Um, and I want to learn more about why that's the right way to go about doing things. Cause I do think that the, the model that you, your family of restaurants uses is the right way to do it is to create opportunity and split it. And if you're worried about the, the blender in the background, don't be worried because we're in a restaurant right now. I'm totally used to it. Uh, I saw like your face kind of shift a little bit. Uh, you're fine. You're completely fine. But what's going through your mind? Like what, what's your advice for people who are talking about maybe opening another restaurant? Maybe they do have somebody on their team and like what, like how do you coach them through that right now in this moment? Oh, geez. Well, you know, I think when you are partnering with somebody, it really helps to get the best of both worlds. You know, Jay is really like a money man. Like I can trust him to be looking at our numbers and helping me like hone in on our food costs and our labor costs. Um, You know, and then I'm here to really be the face of the restaurant to create the relationships with our guests and my staff and to instill all the values that I expect them to have in the service industry. So what lanes are you guys in? Like, how do you guys complete each other? Like, what, what are you responsible for and what is like the restaurant group responsible for? So I'm kind of like the stepchild out here. I used to be like the queen bee (laughs) (laughs) and now I'm like out of town, uh, which is also great. I mean, I love Epping more than anything. It's really wonderful. But, um, so essentially Jay and I are partners for the restaurant, but I'm also the general manager here. So we ultimately are able to split profit, but I also pay myself to be here on the, on the daily. Okay. I love that approach. Um, is there a money management system that you guys use to like to, to, how does that get tracked? Is it, are they responsible for the accounting? Yeah. So I have, uh, multiple, uh, coworkers that I work with, um, in the office who do marketing for us or the QuickBooks and all of that. So, uh, there is a huge team. I mean, I say it's huge because 
I rely on people so heavily. Like, I don't know what I would do without our office managers. Yeah. And I don't know what I would do if we didn't have our facilities manager, Todd. Like, he whipped up all of these little dividers for us yeah. in no time. Um, so we definitely have a team. And it starts with Jay. And then it, it trickles down to, like, all of the managers. And Yeah. And I think that's the trick right there is that you, you might be 50-50 or whatever, 49-50 however you dice it up, but you have to think when, when you, when you take this approach and you have the support of, you have a whole army, like the restaurant group of people that are doing the details, like the little things behind the scenes, the marketing, the accounting, the PR or whatever, like the, the, all the things you're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. but not one restaurant tour has the time in their day to do it all. So it, it lets you focus on what you do best, managing the restaurant, being present, training, mentoring, or maybe if you're a chef, it lets you focus on the menu or like whatever it is. And you get to, I, I feel like there's just so much more impact in this approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth giving up a big chunk of whatever the profit is because you're, you're so much of the, the other stuff is being taken care of. So you can focus. Totally. On you do. I couldn't imagine having, you know, when Jay started jumping Jay's, you know, he was, he had to find his office manager. He had to, you know, uh, outsource marketing. And at this point, like he's built his team, you know, mm-hmm. so this is the same team that I was working with when I was at Jumpin' Jays. And so it was a really natural transition to be here, you know, at Railpenny. Um, but yeah, I mean, the people behind the scenes like really are so integral. Like I said, I mean, between like Stacy, Lauren, Kyla, like those are our three main girls, like who yeah. just keep everything in order, in check, you know, make the post for Insta and everything like, or not the post, but like the posters or like yeah. we have like a media marketing event. That's a event. whole other arm that people don't even consider in today's age and that we're, at, I'm actually recording a workshop today after I go home, I have to record a w- workshop with uh, Sean Walshef out of San Diego, California, who is convinced that it's media first, restaurant second. And he has this whole approach of like, we're a media company first and then we're, a restaurant. And I think it's especially today because you don't get the, the same opportunities to make impressions on your people face to face. You have to make those impressions in other places to stay top of mind. Um, you know, like I, I don't know if it's like media first restaurant second, maybe 50 50. You might have to convince me later on our, in our conversation. But I mean, like, the, but when you when you partner, the point I'm trying to get at is when you partner with a greater group, you get access to these resources that you normally that are critical resources that you normally would have to scale and, and build up to even think mm-hmm. about getting access to those things. Definitely. Yeah. Um, what were your biggest challenges in the first couple, like couple months getting started, like reflecting at this space, what you learned trying to build out this space, uh, the real penny tavern where we are sitting today. What were the, the hardest parts for you as a new time owner? Uh, Honestly, staffing was the hardest thing for me. Uh, it had never been a challenge of mine before. And Why do you think that is? Uh, it's just a different like demographic in the area. Yeah. You know, so Portsmouth, it's like a restaurant town. And I used to have basically like a list of people just waiting to like yeah. start serving at Jumpin' Jays, you know, because it was lucrative and it was a great team and it was a great place to yeah. work. Yeah, it's established. You knew you were going to do well and, and that would be worth your time. When we opened Railpenny, you know, I was, I'm an unknown really, you know, um, and although Jay's got a great name, it just, it didn't quite have the same, like, I don't know, carryover in this area, if you will. And getting 
like my front of the house staff was the challenge. So it's a lot of like uh, residential people in this area. And if you're going to be um, like a younger restaurant person, like maybe you're in Portsmouth or you're in Manchester and Concord, but we're like right in the center of that where you have to drive past all these other places just to get here. Yeah. The center of the universe, but like no one's around here. So for a little more context, people who aren't familiar with New Hampshire Seacombs or New Hampshire Seacoast, you have Portsmouth, which is like on the water, northern New Hampshire Seacoast, northern New Hampshire Seacoast, mm-hmm. which is southern New Hampshire. It's weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're like maybe I would say a 20 minute drive, maybe 12 miles, 15 miles from Portsmouth and you're inland a little bit more. It's a little bit more of a blue collar community. Mm-hmm. Um, Portsmouth, Rye, that whole area is wealthy. Uh, you have a lot of young people living there. It's like our it's the hip place to be and it's next to the UNH mm-hmm. you have, you have a few schools there. So like it attracts a younger demographic. So I could see why it would be easier to get people. And it's like a lot more money on the seacoast, obvious for obvious reasons. There's always more money on the seacoast, yep. no matter where you are. So just kind of painting that picture. Keep going. Uh, so yeah. Coming out so here, it, was, it was, yeah, I mean, and I mean, I hate to say this, but like I would hire people and I would just look at, you know, I'd be like, okay, so I need hands and you have two of them. But, like, you're totally not, like, on my level of service, you know, like, or, well, I think you do drugs, but I don't think you're on them right now, so (laughs) this is how the day is going to go, you know? And every day I was kind of like, okay, we'll just see, like, who's going to apply, what am I going to get, how much can I tolerate, like, um, and then... But, like, piece by piece, like, I was finally getting, like, the right people and, you know, recognizing that they are the right people, taking care of them, making sure you're working with their schedules, giving them the shifts that they want, you know, recognizing praise and giving praise when due, you know, maybe throwing a gift certificate to go out to dinner at one of the sister restaurants, you know, but really just, like, making sure that you're keeping the people who you want to be here, here. Exactly what Jay did with you, you know? He said, what is it going to take? To make sure you stay here. I got to buy you a ticket to Mexico. Done. Totally. <laughs> like, and you just recognize those people. Um, can it get dangerous paying, playing favorites? Has that ever been an issue? Like where you clearly like take care of one person better than others? Um, I think it's a matter of being discreet and it's also a matter of how you play the game. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, any advice on how to play that game discreetly and respectfully or? Um, I mean, this is like a, very psychological (laughs) place in a way you know I don't want to necessarily like get into it too much but I do believe that like everybody is different and at the end of the day like learning how to craft your message isn't necessarily like a straight across the board message I think that sometimes you really need to identify who you're talking with and learning that like learning how they tick so that you can help to make them you know better or understand what you you know you need or want or you know, like some people really need praise. Yeah. Some people want you to leave them alone. Like yeah. I love, I love the, the expression. I think it comes in here. first seek to understand, then seek to be understood. And I think that, that, that saying can be applied to so many things in life. Totally. Whether it's just a, a conversation or whether you're trying to get to know somebody, just to try to understand what drives them, what, what they, what their passions are. And if you can understand that person and, and what motivates them and you, then you can communicate with them so much better because totally. you know what they want. You know, it's so powerful. And being empathetic to people as well. You know, I, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned over the course of my twenties and, and now like, is just that, you know, life happens. And I used to be really intolerant about like being late, you know, like 
you should have it planned into your schedule that you're going to be 15 minutes late so that you're not 15 minutes late because you're late if you're on time and you're on time if you're five minutes early. <laughs> and if you're not here right now, then like you should have planned that the bridge was going to be up and you were going to be late, you know? Yeah. And now I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, if you're here within 15 minutes and you call me, like we're totally cool. <laughs> yeah. Why? What shifted in you to, to have that new perspective? Uh, ooh, uh, number one would be my son. You know, I think that uh, it's crazy. You know, I had a, a six month old while we were trying to like open the restaurant and yeah. uh, he turned one two days before we opened our front doors. <laughs> and um, just that was a extremely hard time for me to try to like juggle being full time mom and full time career yeah. woman. Like I give you perspective. Holy moly. Yeah. And so like you think about it and you're just like, <laughs> Like I, I think back to like a couple of people who like had kids, you know, and be late, and I'd be like, "You need to be on time." And now I'm like, "Girl, I get it. Yeah, no, totally." <laughs> I understand. I love that. Um, anything else that you, reflecting over the past from 2016 to when you guys, you know, committed to making this this location happen to today, um, that were just big lessons for you. Like if if somebody else is opening a restaurant, things that you learned the hard way that you'd like to help somebody else not make that same mistake or poor decision. Anything come to mind? Yeah. I mean, I really think, um, trying to like put things in boxes and compartmentalize them and to like, just chew off a little bit out of a time, you know, like the whole inch by inch life's a cinch sort of thing. Um, it's really easy to get overwhelmed. There are so many moving parts to opening a restaurant and, you know, when I took on Jumpin' Jays, it had been open for like three and a half years and I, or four and a half years when I became GM. And in that time, there are so many kinks that got worked out and systems that have been implemented and the, the wheels were already turning and moving. And, you know, you really don't recognize how much time it takes to make the machine work because mm. like you're literally fixing one piece at a time over the course of a year pieces wailing off (laughs) and it's just like okay what's the challenge of the day what takes my priority and then ultimately you know like you know just to train people to be able to train people to train people Mm. who can then the train the people yeah so take us through that because i think this is gold right here like in i mean I think it's important to recognize, like you said, it does not happen overnight. And I think people expect it to happen overnight. And it doesn't. It's that constant, gentle pressure. Uh, again, Danny Meyer, quoting Danny Meyer, of just knowing that it, it's it's never going to be perfect. And it's your job to to just constantly correct it or constantly improve it. So, like, t- take us like take us through that evolution. Like, how did you get to the point where you are now? Have you do you still feel like you're fine tuning it? Like, where are you? So I feel like we just got to the point three years in where we were operating super smooth. You know, everyone had their expectations, all this, you know, what was expected of them. Um, all side work was, you know, written out. We had all of our uh, just like efficiencies set in place and and the team was there. Like they knew, the you know, they knew how to work around each other. And then and then COVID hit. Oh, so, you know, I, I, if we're going back to like, what does it take to build a restaurant? I had been told like, it's going to take three years before you get to that point. And I thought I've got 14 years of experience. Like I've, I've 
I've crushed this in the past. Like, how is this going to be so hard? And it is so hard. Can you take us through that evolution? Like where you were in like the first six months to like where you felt like you got to the next level, what that next level looked like to help you get to the next level to eventually to where you are today. Can you compartmentalize that? Yeah. That evolution? Well, the first thing I would have to do is I would have to give a shout out to my manager, Kaylee Newman. What up, Kaylee? Shout out. She (laughs) is my like right hand and she's been with me since day one. And I have been able to lean on her and trust in her. And without having her as my like right hand girl, like I would not be, we would not be yeah. where we are. So it sounds like the first lesson is is getting someone that you can lean on to get support. Totally. You can't do it by yourself. I agree with that statement. Yeah. And she wasn't, I mean, I didn't even know that she was going to be that right hand girl until she just was. Like mm. she is that personality and that, you know, she is just service industry and she is a hard worker and she's willing to do what needs to get done and she's responsible and she's mature and she, you know, leads by example and, you know, I guess I just, I saw that and I've, and I'm like, I'm forever thankful for her. She is my gem. Nice. So when you find this person, when you have this person who's your gem that you can lean on, how does that change things? What, what, what changed for you? So it did give me a little bit more of an opportunity to step back, uh, to focus on those little pieces and parts that need Mm -hmm. to get tweaked. Like I knew that she would be able to, you know, handle the the bar and so I could focus more on the bussers and the expo and like getting the food runners set up. That was my next question. Like how did you know what to offload your plate and like how did you prioritize what she took on first? Um, So, you know, you have to just kind of hope that everybody is going to know what they're doing. Um, You know, right before we were uh, opening, my aunt actually passed away and I had to go down to New York. And one of my training sessions with my brand new staff was actually with two of my former employees from Jumpin' Jays because I couldn't be here. And I, but we still had, we had to open the doors and we had a date and I had people who needed to, you know, start working. And so, you know, there was just no stopping. And, um, you know, being able to like lean on the two of them to help with the training was great, but it also was just like, I don't even know what people know. And I just have to hope and believe that they have gotten this training and that they have read the menu and, and, you know, for the people who are experienced that they're, you know, I can lean on their experience. Um, but it was support staff. That was really like my first challenge. Okay. So your first, first you got the person that was like your equal that you could offload on that could help you go through this. And then you started focusing on your, your support staff. Mm-hmm. What, like, be specific. What were you focusing on? Like just growing them as like professionals or like giving them systems. What were you working on? Honestly, giving them systems. Like these are like kids who had had zero experience in the industry. Like I, I think I had said, you know, I was willing to take anybody who was kind of willing to work. Yeah. And, and so just recognizing somebody who had the hard work like in them and then teaching them how to do the job okay you know so we're talking about literally like the top half of the glass belongs to the guests the bottom half of the glass belongs to you like don't touch the rim don't like uh how to hold a water pitcher like you know never let the edge touch the edge like that's cross-contamination you know those are all little things but again it's like the first person who's greeting the table and it really sets the tone so like if you have somebody and they're like touching your water pitcher and like slamming things down you're just like 
where am I? But this stuff isn't common knowledge and you can't expect it to be, you mm-hmm. know, you've got to train like the, the common sense does not exist in the restaurant industry. You have to convince yourself of that. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree with you a hundred percent. Like it is a, it is a language. Like I said, wine is a language, like the yeah. restaurant industry. It's, it's like, it's whole, it's a world. So once you built up your support staff, what was next? Uh, that it was really being able to focus on the level of service for my bartenders and my, and my servers. Um, you know, they used to think I was crazy when I would like freak out about salt and pepper being on the table during dessert. I'm like, you don't need salt and pepper on dessert. Like, why would you have salt and pepper on the table? And they're like, it's just salt and pepper. And I'm like, but it's salt and pepper, you know, like, uh, or like, why is there a knife on the table? Like they shouldn't have a knife on the table. They've already paid their check. Like that's absolutely crazy. Like the only thing that should be left is their water glass and their, you know, cocktail. Yeah. But what I'm hearing from you is that like, it's that like knowing that you not knowing that on day one, you're not going to be able to operate the way you want to, but not losing sight of where you want to be and slowly working your way towards that. Yes. And knowing that just because you can't get there in day one does not mean you shouldn't still strive to be there. Yeah. I mean, I won't lie. Like within the first year, there were points where I was like, this is so hard. And <laughs> this is just like, I don't know if I can handle all this. What was the hardest part for you? Uh, the hours we were initially open for lunch as well. So, yeah. uh, it kind of goes back to like navigating or, you know, juggling like the mom work life, like trying to find that balance. Um, you know, not having my focus just 1 million percent into the restaurant and, and being able to like check out at, you know, every now yeah. and again, cause that's real hard to do too. Absolutely. When, when did you realize that you didn't need to be open for lunch and dinner? Oh, uh, that took us about a year, maybe nine months to figure it out. But at the end of the day, we realized that not only were we sacrificing like our time and our lifestyle, but, you know, instead of like working on new menu items or making handmade pasta, we were just like waiting for a burger to come in, you know? And so it just, I just felt like it really wasn't elevating us or bringing us, letting us like shine where we wanted to. And it was just one of those choices where it might've been, uh, you know, lucrative or financially questionable but at the end of the day like we weren't doing what we wanted to do and that was to serve great food yeah and i say a lot on the show focus on doing a few things really well you can't be everything to everybody um and it lets you do what you do well even better when you put all of your energy into it right absolutely Uh, so how did you justify the closing during the day like as far as like financially was it were you more profitable, less profitable? Cause you're, were you like, like how did they, how did the numbers play out in this, this, this instance? Uh, we definitely were making money during lunch, but it wasn't significant to like the, what we were making didn't outweigh the cost of what we were potentially losing. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that was what it came down to at the end of the day. Like, uh, Jillian round, who is the, uh, opening chef here, who is now the, uh, CDC over at Moxie. I mean, she's just so talented and it was really crazy to think of just like having her standing there instead of like yeah. working on something or being yeah. creative or like letting her time, you know, like it's a lot of time, Oh yeah, it's a lot of time and a lot of energy. And so I, I think you need to try to find that balance where, you know, you're taking care of your people, they're having a good time and they don't get burned out because yeah. that's easy to do. Yeah. Uh, so it, it took a year for you to realize that your, your niche, your, your, your sweet spot was dinner mm-hmm. to put your energy into dinner, which will free up time during the day to, to give back to yourself so you can get that level of balance and also to elevate what you already do well. 
um, is what I'm hearing from you. So that was your biggest challenge was the, the time demand, right? So when you solved this problem by only focusing on, on dinner, what was your next challenge? Um, I think next challenge was really just to get get people in the door and yeah. keep them coming back. Uh, and that really has morphed in the last like year and a half to two years with the great staff that I have now. I mean, I have handfuls of amazing servers who have made connections with everyone in the air. You know, you know, they've made connections and people keep coming back and we're, we're on, we're on the map. Yeah. So let's, I think we can probably dissect this because I'm sure there's tons of lessons in here and how to bring people in, but most importantly, how to bring them back. Um, what was your approach? What worked well for you in reflection? Um, I think it goes back when we talk about like hosting. Yeah. Like I love hosting and I love getting to know people. And, and when you come in here, like I'm here to take care of you. Like I want you, like I want to know what you need before you know what you need. You know, like if, if you're running out of your cocktail, like I'd like to just have a fresh one ready for you, like knowing that you're going to have a second, you know, or, um, you know, having a regular roll up and you know what their cocktail of choice is. And before they even get through the door, like you have it made and waiting for them. What does that communicate? Oh, well, I mean, like they, they're like, oh my God, like you care about me or you're looking out for me or like, you know me. Exactly. Um, I mean, you, you cannot let your people know enough that you see them, that you appreciate them. And like your actions are way louder than your words, you know? Well, the truth is in a restaurant, like you're nothing without your guests. Yeah. You know, like you aren't. There's at the end of the day, like you can have a restaurant, but if you don't have people walking in your door. <laughs> you won't have it for long. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, well that was a waste. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So how do you communicate that it, the, these relationships are so important? Like paint that picture for us so we can do it in our own businesses. Um, well, again, that like, for me, that goes back to hiring the right people who are going to fit like your model. Mm. And it's nice when you have the opportunity to pick and choose. You don't always get that choice though. So when you don't get that choice and you're, you're working with the best that you can work with or that you have, you know, in a small town, like, I think it's really just trying to show people through example, you know, like if, if I own this place, but I'm willing to like know everybody's name who walks through that door and I'm here to make a relationship, but I don't, you know, I don't make tips and I don't, I don't know. Like my, my relationship with them is just, uh, is, I mean, that's, what's valuable to me. So I hope that people will see that, you know, being in the restaurant and being a server or having those connections, it's not just about like the tips you're making. It's about the relationships you're making and, and also the connections that you can make and how it can like branch you out into so many different things. I mean, this, this industry, I mean, you get to talk to so many people and having that opportunity to like ask about like, what kind of job do you do? Or where have you traveled? Or I don't know, where do your kids go to school? Like, what's a great recipe you've used, you know, like having those. Bringing them into it, making them more than just a, a, Pay, like they're they're a person, they're a relationship. They're yeah. not. They're more than just the the, the check. Totally, you know? absolutely. You're more yeah. than a number. You're exactly. more than a check. Like yeah. you're part of our being, and without you, again, like we can't be here. Yeah, and it sounds like a big part of what it was too is knowing that like you constantly need to be growing your team and adding like and just elevating your team and like and it seems like to me that that's where your focus was 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 constantly recruiting talent 
passionate people who have the, the hospitality gene and knowing that you're not going to get a staff of just like eight players all at once. You need to take care of those people and then hang on to them and use them to attract onto yourself even better or like just as good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like attracts like, I love that. And you know, sometimes you just have to take a chance. Like you see somebody who you think has the, like the right mentality and they don't have any experience, but you are willing to work with them and you know that they're going to, you know, work with you too. Cause you also don't want to invest your time and energy into someone or something and, and not have it pan out either because the cost of losing an employee is also extremely significant. Yeah. So what are some of the unique things you do to retain your employees? I mean, I just think our model here where it really is team oriented and that we have a understanding of family, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, that we, I don't know. I mean, honestly, like for me to keep my staff, I, I think they just need to know or they do know that I really do care about them and respect them and want the best for them. You know, like I don't if somebody were to come up and tell me that they got another job or they were able to pursue something like I would be so excited for them. Yeah. You know, I know sometimes people go into like a feel like going up to their boss and like quitting or having to have a conversation is really intimidating or like you just don't want to go there. But I feel like the relationships that I've, you know, enabled myself to have with my team is that they know they can approach me for anything. And at the end of the day, I really just want them to be happy and I want them to be successful in whatever, you know, wherever that takes them. Yeah. So, um, I try to talk a little bit about COVID, not so much what you did to evolve, but where you are now and what your plan for the future is. But before we get into that, is there anything we haven't discussed up to this point? Any areas of where you think you shine as an owner, uh, or where your restaurant shines as an operation that, if we were to learn this from you or hear this from you, it would make us all better. Well, I think, I mean, really for me, it's about being innovative and trying to just continue to grow and morph because you can never really ride the same wave. You know, you're always going to have different things coming in life and trends and, and you can't, you can't just sit still and let things happen around you. You know, you have to be willing to move with it. So yeah. like, you know, one of my, thro- one of my sayings is like life throws you curves. So you learn to swerve. Yeah. And I think, you know, you just ha- kind of have to be willing to go with the flow and identify that, you know, life's not perfect or the restaurant's not always going to be perfect. And as long as you're doing the best that you can do each day to push yourself to you know, keep your staff growing, to get your sales up there, to expand your space, to maximize your tables, you know, to increase your turn times, like whatever you can do to make yourself better and to really work hard daily and to just focus on. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, how do you know you're growing? How, what are you tracking to know? Like what are the key performance indicators that you're, that you're tracking to say that, like, you know, we're, we're moving in the right direction. How are you tracking it? I track it with covers and I track it with sales. So how many people are coming in and out of the door? Uh, we use our online reservation system. So I get updates daily about um, our reviews, what we sold, um, you know, our our average covers from one week to the next, our, you know, loss of revenue. How much have we comped? How much have we voided? Mm. Um, what you track, you, you what's the saying? What's, what's tracked is or what's measured is minded or something like that. I, there's a few sayings around it. They're escaping me right now. But you have to follow those numbers. You have to know where you were and you have to know what effort you put in and what the result of that effort was. So mm-hmm. you can know if your effort's being like 
weight, like if it's if it's having an effect, yeah. right? Those are all great key performance indicators. And you mentioned your your reservation system. What are you using? We use Resi. Okay. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, Resi works out pretty well for us. It's uh, I don't know. It's really interactive. Guests can go onto our website and book online. It gives us the opportunity to have a digital floor plan where you can move things and track. You know, if someone's a VIP or a regular, or they hate you know fish. Yeah. Um, so transitioning into COVID-19, um, are you still able to use these, these platforms? Do you have to give up platforms like Resi? Like, are they still serving you into the new normal quote unquote? Yeah. For now they're working out great. I mean, Resi is, um, integral to us being able to seat everyone and, and get the reservations and make it as convenient for people to book. Uh, we also use toast, which is our point of sale system and they're phenomenal. I really do enjoy toast. They're super interactive and, um, as far as like ordering online and uh, really intuitive POS system, which is great for my staff. Um, what was the question? The question was the the evolution um, into. I was first started, I started oh, asking COVID. about Resi. I was just curious about Resi because yes. uh, I know it's a great platform. Um, and Toast is another tool that's always being recommended. Uh, we actually, side note, if you go with Toast right now and you use my links, I'll have a link in today's episode. Um, you will get, I will send you a check for a thousand dollars. I'll split my commission with you to say thank you. A uh, great platform. And they've been super supportive of the show since sponsorship's been slow. <laughs> um, but, uh, back to your story in the evolution of like what, paint the picture of what your operation is now. Um, and like what tools are you leveraging? How, how are you planning on staying in business for the next, say, four to five months until hopefully we're out of this thing? So I have, I have been uh, going on multiple different approaches. Uh, when, you know, we've been uh, expanding our seating areas. So we, and, you know, besides having our dining room, we have a tent in our backyard, which we actually have an indirect heater for. <laughs> and I'm, I saw that, that, is it, that, that looks like a compressor out there. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a 110 Jeez. gallon diesel <laughs> engine and it uh, basically just heats under the tent. So even though it's freezing cold in November, I've actually expanded our seating so that we haven't lost tables, nice. which we normally you know, so we're actually, you know, kind of in an okay place. Um, also, like, I believe right now that this is a time where, like, we want to try to support everyone around us. So I've been trying to support local musicians. Uh, throughout the summer, we've been, like, hosting music on certain nights. And then... You've had um, Artie here a couple of times, haven't you? Yeah, Artie was my Sunday brunch man. Like I, Artie and LJ are great friends of mine. A little shout out to them. If you're in the New Hampshire area and you need some talent, give Artie, um, Artie Francoeur, we need to get... He's he's amazing, so talented. Uh, he's awesome. Love to have him there, buddy. <laughs> um, so, what else are you guys doing to stay relevant during COVID nineteen? Have you changed your systems, your technology around at all? We haven't changed anything, um, but we've been really fortunate to have already been using Toast. Yeah. Uh, so, Toast's online platform for online um, online ordering is really terrific. It's just super easy to navigate, and it's easy to adjust like your uh, delivery times or pickup times and uh, so I guess that was something I was really, I felt fortunate that we had already had established with us. Um, otherwise, it's just really, we have implemented new systems of, you know, how often you're touching a table or um, like the distance that you have to stand away from people and, and making adjustments there. But um, you can see these fine, excuse me, these fine divider screens yeah. that we have behind us um, and all the tables are spaced. So we're just, I mean, honestly, we're just doing 
every day things change. Yeah. And we're just doing whatever needs and to. Once you get it figured out, all the regulations are going to be gone. I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> I think we're super fortunate. Like we, our model hasn't really had to change too much. Yeah. We have increased our delivery or excuse me, our online ordering. But besides that, like we've had a lot of And you were support. set up for that before because you were using Toast before COVID-19 hit. Yeah. I mean, it definitely has increased by at least, I'd say like 25%, honestly. So we have uh, shifted a little bit more toward that. And I know that moving forward, we're planning on doing some kits like, you know, protein, starch, veg. What's the yeah. fam want? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I've loved this conversation. Uh, before we go to the speed round, uh, we'll make it a quick speed round for you. I'd like to ask all my guests, how have you transformed? The mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And I believe we're going to transform the industry by helping transform individuals. But how have you transformed personally? Wow. I mean, uh, the path that I've been on since I started the restaurant industry has been hugely transformative. Um, between my ability to travel and see the world and get my hands into dirt and vineyards. Um, I mean, that's been huge. Uh, the relationships that I've built with guests and friends, you know, that's been huge. Um, but I think I've really matured a lot. Like I said, you know, in my early twenties, I didn't quite have that same level of understanding or compassion or maybe empathy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that that really goes a long way in your relationships with people. For sure. I love this. I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much, Kate. We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors. We're going to bust out a true speed round because I just realized it's one 30. Oh, wow. (laughs) It goes by fast. We'll be right back. Head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to find out why Toast POS is the number one recommended POS on the show by a landslide. So there's a bunch of reasons why Toast is being recommended on the show, but I'm finding the most common reason is because of their customer support. And now, while I don't think you'll need their customer support all the time, it when that Friday night rolls around and there is a question you have and you're busy, you're going to wish you were able to get right into that customer support and they will be there for you. Uh, the other reason why Toast is always being recommended on the show is because of how many other platforms integrate with Toast. So you can literally marry all the technologies in your company together. They'll, they'll work together. They integrate together and you can turn on these additional features as you need them. It's like flipping a switch. It's that easy. So that's why I love toast. That's why my guests love toast. Again, if you want to learn more, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, I'll send you a check for a thousand dollars when you become a customer. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you already use and trust like toast turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months absolutely free head over to www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable that's the number seven s-h-i-f-t-s dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free get on it we are back, and the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Hard work. What is your biggest weakness? 
I'm Irish and I hold a grudge. Oh, how have you dealt with that that weakness over the time? I still hold my grudges. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process when you're growing your team? Oh, why are you here? Mm, well, what are you looking for exactly? Because I don't want them to just say like they're here for a job. Like I want to know why they want to be part of the real penny. Like, but weren't you just looking for cash when you first took your job with Jumpin' Jays? Oh heck yeah! I can't <laughs> even believe I got offered the job. Right. <laughs> I love it. No, you're right though. Like, don't like like you gotta. If it, like, what do we say? Like, first seek to understand. Then like, you gotta understand like what they're what drives them, what motivates them. Absolutely. Um, what is your biggest challenge today? Oh, besides COVID, um, I would say. Oh my gosh, honestly, I'm so fortunate. Maybe staffing, but I really am so lucky right now. We're in such a good spot. And that's hard. I mean, we're not a lot of people in a good spot right now. So to hear that, you know, I think is a testament to your preparation and your hard work for sure. I count my blessings and I take chances and I'm just super thankful. Yeah, I love it. Uh, What is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? This is a, a way to be, a way to act, core value. Um, I ask my team to be swans, and they, I like them to look like on the surface that they are calm, cool, collected, and they've got everything in check, and they're just like very naturally moving around. But at the, you know, if you look under the water, like your feet are moving fast, you're hustling, and you've got it. Like you're go, 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 yeah, go, go. I love it. Uh, and what is one like standard of service? So this is something that's common within the four walls of your business to go above and beyond what's expected from you. Uh, what what is one thing you guys do to, to exceed those expectations? regarding service oh geez um as far as service i mean i'm really meticulous about the cleanliness of tables and making sure that there really isn't any like debris on it um and then just knowing what the guest wants before you do or before they do so suggesting a cocktail or you know recommending an app to start with okay um how do you know what they want like is it just because of the experience maybe do you have data on that person like seeing what their ordering history was is that something you do with resi um, I think like just identifying like if somebody is enjoying a glass of wine, like saying, can I get you a fresh glass? Like as there are a few sips down. I mean, there's also a whole needs. bunch. Yes. Anticipating needs or, you know, power of suggestion and, you know, yeah. getting your check to continue to grow. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? What to do with a chance. What to do with a chance. Written yes. by, do you remember? Uh, Kobe Amanda, Amada? We'll figure it out. K-O-B-I Amada, I believe. What was the biggest lesson he taught you in that book? Or is that a she? Uh, it's a man. Okay. Uh, and it's honestly about just taking your chances and recognizing that if you're not willing to go for it at some point in time, they just might not come your way yeah, again. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? I show appreciation. You know, I think a lot of time it's a lot easier to get on people for what they're doing wrong and not what they're doing right. And I think that that's something that we can always remind ourselves to do is to show praise. Yeah, I love it. Uh, what is one service that you've outsourced or hired? So this is not necessarily like a, a technology, but like a person that does something well that you've outsourced to. Um, reliable equipment in Dover. Uh, and why, why them? Uh, you know, I called them needing help uh, to keep my tent heated during these colder months, and they were here within a day with uh, a diesel heater and hooked me all up. Nice. Uh, so if you're in the northeast New Hampshire area and you need some equipment, rental equipment, 
call reliable. Um, what is one piece of technology you've adopted within the past year or so that's had a huge impact on your operation, maybe the past two years? Honestly, Instagram. And you weren't using Instagram beyond a year ago or two years ago? I am not an Instagrammer. <laughs> like, am I, to be honest. If, I don't know where I'd be without Jared. He's all over the Instagram for me. I am, like, so not good at social media. I mean, for I mean, I have, like, a Gal- or Samsung 7 cell phone. Like, I am just <laughs> so not on that level. Yeah. Um, but I did um, – one of my employees was really eager to – be our social media and volunteered to just like take pictures That's and huge. do stuff. And that actually has ter- it transitioned into a position for him. Yeah. And I think this is going to be a big part of our conversation. So right after my interview with Kate, I'm doing a workshop with Sean Walshef from Cali barbecue and digital hospitality. And, uh, I, I kind of march to your beat where if I don't have to have a piece of technology in me or on me or in front of me, then I'm a happier person. This is why I choose to drive across the country to do my interviews. Cause I like to be in person. I like to have that personal, like human presence and I don't like to exist through social, like through devices. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it is critical. And I'm not going to say that social media doesn't have an impact because I think we've proven it absolutely does, but you can teach your people, you can give them systems, you can around social media and you can give them like an idea of what you're trying to, to accomplish. And you can, you can absolutely delegate this. This is something that if, if you're not good at it, then delegate it because it's crucial. You have to stay top of mind. What does this relationship look like? How did you delegate this, this project? Uh, again, I was really fortunate that um, Brendan Burns is a, you know, has an awesome little camera and he loves social media and he was excited to, he had just graduated and was kind of looking for like that next step and he thought this would be just a fun experience for him to be able to toy around with and maybe something to put on his resume at the end of the day. And I was like, yeah, I will, I'll support that. Like, I'll get behind you because I know that uh, social media plays an enormous role mm-hmm. in the success of restaurants. Uh, you know, it's for me and you, like, I think we're more of the exception than the rule, uh, where we aren't necessarily as connected to social media, but, um, but that's why we are tribe animals because we can't (laughs) do it by ourselves. We need to rely on the diversity of the group of the strengths and weaknesses of the group. Totally. And like, if, if you're not good at it, I'm sure you're good at something that compensates, you know, you know, we're stronger together. Absolutely. Totally. And there is like when you're opening a restaurant or if you have a restaurant, like there is no way that you can do everything by yourself. You'd go absolutely crazy. So having people built in there having, you know, staff who are volunteering to help out or take pictures or, you know, I'm willing to take any help I can get. Honestly, I love it. And this is the last question. It's a doozy. Get ready for it. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work and your restaurants would be gone with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you can leave behind for the good of humanity and for mankind. What would those three pieces or sorry, I said for the good of humanity and your legacy is what I meant to say. What would those three pieces of advice be? That is a doozy. My three pieces of advice for my legacy. Um, I guess the first one is work hard. Um, Number two, find the balance. Two. And number three, love your people. Three. I love it. This has been a great conversation, Kate. Thank you so much. Uh, We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who's somebody you respect and admire and believe it would make a great guest mentor on the show like you made for us today. Like, if I got this person on the show, you're listening to that episode 100%. Who would that be? I'm going to give you two. Oh, yes. Give them to me. So, first, I'm going to give you Will Miska. Okay. 
he owns Ornell's Barbecue with Jay McSherry. <laughs> and I'm going to call out Jay McSherry. Jay, because it's a matter I, of time, man. <laughs> yep, I think you've hit the point where you've kind of reached out to everyone else in his, in his uh, you know, you real house. It. Kate said you have to do it. I think he has to come talk to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I would love to get Will. I was actually just at Ornell's, and I, I've had them on my radar, too, because I know... I just like I have a lot of respect for Jay and I know he has an eye for talent. So if, if he's willing to go into a partnership or to bring somebody into his, his family of restaurants, I know it will be a great episode. So we'll look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to make it happen. Jay, you've been on my radar from day one, man. I'd love to get you on the show. Look out, guys. I'm coming after you. And how can we connect with you? Maybe we've enjoyed your episode and we want to come join your team and be mentored by you. What's the best way to connect? Uh, best way to connect is by checking us out on our website at railpennytavern.com where you can contact us or you can reach out to me personally at kate at railpennytavern.com Instagram now too and you can Instagram us but I don't follow it so you'll have to <laughs> do you know the handle some um I'll look it up railpenny <laughs> <laughs> you just proved your point alright beautiful this has been a great chat thank you so much Kate I've really enjoyed every moment of it there is no questioning you are unstoppable thank you so much thank it's been you. a great day cheers well there we go another episode wrapped up here at restaurant unstoppable kate mcgrath thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and just being a shining example of what happens when you put your nose down you grind you treat it like you own it uh, and you're working for the right people and i think that's a key part of it you have to be on the right teams if you're listening to this and you don't feel like you're on the right team, you don't feel like your team's invested in you and your future, um, then go work for somebody who is and go bust your ass for them and let them create opportunity for you and take that opportunity. Seize that opportunity when it presents itself because you know I think that was just a, a really great lesson in today's conversation. It's not enough to get opportunity offered to you you got to take it. You got to seize it while it's there. That definitely came out in today's chat. And I just love this, this mentality of treating it like you own it. And um, when you do that, uh, the people will take notice and they'll give you opportunity because they know the smartest restaurateurs know that by creating opportunity for you, they're servicing themselves. They're taking care of themselves. They're surrounding themselves with incredible people that are only going to make them stronger. So great stuff in today's chat, really great details on some front of house best practices and leadership. I really love this chat. Thank you so much, Kate McGrath. So if you guys are enjoy, enjoying this podcast and you want more episodes just like this, please support the show by supporting our sponsors. You support our sponsors, they support us. It's that simple. And I really try to partner with sponsors that are being recommended on the show or that I use personally. Uh, Seven Shifts has been recommended a ton on the show lately. I uh, really love what they're doing over there in regards to labor management. If you're looking for a solution, check out Seven Shifts. And then again, 99designs, uh, a tool I've used in the past and that I plan on using again in the near future. And I'm going to report back to you guys how that goes. It's great. If you're not an artist like I am, I'm definitely not, I'm not an artist. And the other ways you can support the show, guys, if you're finding value in in this podcast, please share it right now. Hit pause, screen capture the episode, and share it on your Instagram story. It's you know it's that simple, uh, and let people know about what we're trying to do here and uh, what we're trying to create in the, in the network. And um, also, five star reviews on iTunes really go a long way with with our rankings. Our number one platform is iTunes. That's where the majority of our downloads come from. So help us maintain that number one spot and leave a five-star review. All right, guys, thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.